Well, good morning again, everyone. Happy New Year. It's good to know that Phil and Brett have some jokes to start us off this year. It's always fun. But as we celebrate the new year, we oftentimes think about how it's packed full of opportunity, full of change, different things that can uh, be on the lookout for us this year. We usually approach it with optimism and we start our new diets, our new fads and workout programs that last for a couple of weeks and then we're back into our routines. But you know, we hope that we have some changes that will benefit us in different ways in our lives. And for me, I know this year I have some things already set in place that will bring about some of those changes. Um, and I've been intentional with doing those things. I'm hoping to reap some of that fruit um, as the year progresses. But as we think about this upcoming year, um, you know, there's, there's exciting things ahead and there's things of anxiety and nervousness that can be on our hearts and minds as we look forward to different changes. You know, as a church, we still have on the back burner the possibility of putting the addition on for the additional rooms and building projects can always be exciting and frustrating and stressful. So you have a mixed bag there. Denominationally, we still have a little bit of uncertainty in terms of identity and how we're going to be moving forward as a church with the different discussions that are going on on the national level. And we'll give a little status update at the annual meeting on that. Uh, not a lot has changed until we get to general council in May. But you know, again, things that can be exciting, things that create conversations that hopefully allow us to grow and continue to be bold in our faith as we make these steps forward. You know, and as we face a lot of these things, I find that I am at the feet of the Lord in prayer as we move forward. You know, I've said this before as a warning or take it however you will. A lot of times I preach on what I'm going through in life. Things I might be struggling through, things that I'm reading and studying. And as the Lord deals me or shows me different things that I am going to go through, I'm going to share with you because I have the assumption that there are others that must be going through the same phases, the same struggles in life. And back in the summer, I had rest placed on my heart. And it was placed there because I do not rest well. It's something that I struggle in. In many areas, I think, in our life, when we're talking about growth, we need to be honest in our moments of confession in order to grow past those barriers, to grow past those hindrances that we put into our life, to take the necessary steps forward to where he is the light of the lamp onto our feet, that he is the one that is guiding our paths. And you know, as, as I look at the last three years of my life, I can look back and say, for the most of it, I've been on auto, autopilot to where I have just kind of gone through the motions in a lot of ways. Now, there's been definite times where I've st stood up and taken the will, wheel for different decisions, um, stepping into different crises with some of you, um, and helping walk through that. But through the last three years, I found myself rather doing things to numb the pain rather than grieve. I find myself falling back into old habits of entertainment or escape rather than finding true rest. And as I've dealt with those things, as I've said, there's been definite times where I have processed grief, where I've dealt with things. 
Um, there's definitely times that it wasn't in healthy ways. I've had rows and wrestling matches with the Lord. And in my stubbornness, um, you know, as the Lord might, you know, knock a joint out of hip or something, or a hip out of joint, something like that, I've just said, you know, it's my old age. That's why I lost. I didn't really lose. It's just because I'm getting older. You know, we can all have that stubbornness as we're wrestling with things in the Lord. Maybe you've played games as a kid like tag. You know, you had that competitive spirit and someone says, I got you. No, you didn't. You got my, you got my clothes. You got my hair. You didn't really get me. You know, we, we make up these excuses for ourselves so as to not grow in the Lord. We could be stubborn. And the Lord has been showing me my lack of actual rest in him. And I want to address that with you all over the next couple of months in a series about rest. I want to try and touch on what it is and what it isn't. And I say try because it's a very deep subject. There's a lot of phrases that we're going to be unpacking, a lot of patterns that we're going to be looking at. You know, um, hopefully, as we are a little bit more bold in our faith, we're going to address some of those habits. We're going to shake some of the mediocre lifestyle patterns that we have. You know, I think of my favorite philosopher, Mediocrities. <laughs> Says, meh, good enough. You know, how many times do we approach life and our faith in this way? Where our faith is just on the back burner and we're just doing enough to get by. My prayer is through this series that we gain a better understanding of what biblical rest is. And to challenge those things in life that we pass off as rest, but really are just escapes and entertainment. You know, and here's one of the main points for this. We all have hardships. We all have trials. We all have circumstances in our lives that are difficult. As we go through this series, I'm going to be sharing some of my stuff a little bit. Just place in your situation. Replace me for you and how you are responding. Because we all complain. We all grumble. Whether it's working 60, 60 to 80 hours a week and then understanding that it's not healthy. Whether it's taking the kid, care of the kids all day and then demanding some of that me time afterwards. Or having an attitude of, oh, I'm just being a servant or somebody has to do it. Rather than placing healthy boundaries with people. Maybe it's taking care of elderly parents. Grieving losses that continue to pile up in our lives. Figuring out what we're going to do with our life after we graduate. The question of, am I a man or woman of God? I mean, what does that even mean today in our culture where we can't even define man or woman? Where we have to use pronouns, otherwise we're being intolerant. There's plenty of difficult situations that we face. And then as we look to this upcoming year, we understand the recession's probably going to hit a little bit harder this year. Bills might get a little bit more. Wallets might get a little bit tighter. Is there going to be enough money to cover the bills? Or to go see the doctor to figure out what's going on with this pain in my body? Having the pressure mount of, do I go to the doctor to take care of myself, or do I have money for food to feed my family? The pressure continues to mount from bills, work, volunteering, running the kids everywhere, having enough time to meet my spouse's needs, maybe a little bit of time to decompress at the end of the day, and then thinking, oh yeah, Lord, I was supposed to pray, wasn't I? 
I'll get to that tomorrow. Just give me some rest tonight. I mean, does any of that hit home in terms of patterns that we go through in our life? And then we're told to rest. Who's got time for that? What does it even mean or look like? And I will say, God is faithful with his sense of humor. <clears throat> this week I was up at five or six o'clock most mornings because my mind was going about things that I needed to get done. And I laughed because, Lord, I'm preaching on rest this morning, or this week. Isn't it too much to ask to sleep in just one day? And then I was blessed to have my sister visit um, for half of the week, and I love my nephews, but they are early risers on the Eastern Standard Time Zone. So they were up early, and then I was up late just because of having to get work done, and then you have New Year's Eve on top of that, and the old adage of, well, you can sleep when you're dead kept going through my mind. Rest. This past few months, I've been reading a lot of books, listening to podcasts, doing some studies on different passages. I'm not sure that we're going to hit all the appropriate topics or things to cover into it, but I'm hoping that it just gives us a kickstart for a deeper dive in our own lives as you pursue what it means to have biblical rest in your life. Now, all the passages can be expanded. We're going to be covering things like the Sabbath, being still, knowing the peace of God, laying your burdens at his feet when you are weary, and how all of these terms are similar but different, how they all fall under that principle of rest. You know, as I've been thinking We've also just went through a series on the Holy Spirit and talking about who he is and understanding the gifts that we've received and the talents that we're supposed to use and how we're supposed to serve and to be involved in each other's lives and work in the Holy Spirit and work, 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 but then you have rest on top of it. See, it's this continued spectrum of all of these principles that we love to separate out and understand individually and then we try to bring it back together. You know, the popular one is love and love and truth, to where we like to separate them out, but they're together. The same is true, I think, for work and rest, because we're not to be idle. We're not to be slothful. We're to have a good work ethic, but at the same time still understand rest. And this morning, we're kind of setting up the problem, and we're going to address some of the basic things. We're going to start this series by looking at the first three verses of Psalm 23, Ones that I think that you have probably memorized at some point in time in your life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, a passage that we're very familiar with. And as I began this study of this series, there were different questions that were on my heart and mind. You know, I wanted to know with my changed status in life, how have I, how have I, how have I changed in a way to still advance the kingdom of God? How, have I how has the change allowed me to still honor the king in my life? I wanted to know that for me individually, and then I wanted to know that for the church. So I entered a season of prayer. I saw many areas in which I was lacking. But then as I continued to go to the Lord for prayer, 
he, of course, is faithful, and he responds with a question, as he normally does. He said, okay, Kurt, you want to know about rest. Well, how often are you coming to me to just sit and listen versus how often are you coming to me for work? You know, it's a, it's a very big struggle for pastors to where you're only coming to the well for work purposes, and you get burnt out because of that. You can forget your first love. And as you couple that with this whole idea of rest, I throw into, okay, so how am I listening to the voice of God? How well am I being obedient to him versus escaping or finding some form of entertainment? Because, you know, when things get touchy, when the Lord pokes at different areas that we don't like to have those doors opened, we can put up barriers and walls. You know, you find yourself busying yourself with other things. Even though I know I could find healing with the Lord, I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult as you go through that grieving process. You know, we always tend to travel the paths of least resistance. We try to tend to find comfort in our life rather than seeking out painful things. But you know, many times in our life, we need to enter those deeper areas of grace. We need to go where the Lord is calling us to go. But when we find ourselves escaping, when we find ourselves seeking entertainment, I think a lot of that is because we feel like we don't belong. We don't belong into those deeper areas. But it's when we enter into those hard moments that we can see God in stronger ways. You know, I think of Peter at the end of John 6. I've always loved his response. It's a hard teaching for sure. John 6 in itself is a hard chapter to understand. It's a hard chapter to work through, and Jesus acknowledges that. And at the end, in beginning in verse 66, he says this. After this, many of his disciples... Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You know, how true are these words? Yet at times we turn to other things for escape and entertainment for love and attention. We create idols in our lives rather than going to the Lord. We turn to all of these other things in order to, to find restoration, to find rest for our souls. But it is only to the Lord that we can turn to do that. You know, in our life, when we do those things, we, we manage to satisfy some earthly pleasures for a little bit, get a hit of oxytocin or dopamine in our brains to help us carry through that depression or that anxiety and we only mask or cover the symptoms. We don't address the underlying issues. I mean, how often are we ignoring check engine lights in our vehicles? I mean, we might, we might even know what the problem is, but we don't get it fixed because the cost is ridiculous. This car still runs, still good. Just put a little black tape over that light so we don't see it. Out of sight, out of mind. See, our ignorance in those types of matters, our rapid pace of life, is not leading to the restoration of our souls. It's a cancer to us. Now, I'm not saying, again, that we should be idle and do nothing. But to be efficient, we have to have periodic maintenance, just like our cars. We need to make sure that there's enough oil, do some checkups. 
of our life, it's the same way. We have to incorporate better rhythms of rest so that we can function better. Like our cars and, and our bodies, both will pay the price at one time or another. We can either get the car maintenance early on, pay a little bit as you go, or pay for an overhaul or a new vehicle in one lump sum. For our bodies, we can stretch, we can walk, we can exercise and eat right in smaller increments as we age, or we can forego rest and our health and exercise and be sidelined because of injuries or surgeries to correct misusing our bodies through our lifetime. For our souls, we need rest. We need to spend time in rest with the Lord rather than burning through binging shows on streaming devices or scrolling through social media. Our hearts and minds need to be renewed by the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that. You know, Moses sought the Lord's direction throughout the Exodus journey. And God gave him a response that's very interesting. In 33, 14, he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I want us to understand that the rest of God is tied to his presence. We need to burn that into our minds. We need to ponder this thought. Because if you are restless, if you don't have rest right now, where is the presence of God in your life? If you're a casual Christian, you probably won't have much rest. It's a simple truth. And then we look at Psalm 23. And we see the subject being of the Lord. We see the action being done by him. We see how we are the recipients individually with this term, my. David is writing, the Lord is my shepherd. And I had a random thought this week that I want to run by you. I don't know the validity of it, um, but I just want you to ponder it and pray on it. Have you ever considered God as your profession? God is my pastor. God is my nurse, my doctor, my pharmacist, my manager, my leader, my teacher, my caretaker. You know, David understood God as his shepherd. And he takes the idea of shepherd back to the source. To where if you understand how God is your profession, if you take it back to a general principle of who God is, you can see how God pastors people. And then I can think, okay, how do I pastor people? How am I growing into the image of Christ to, to act and behave and use words like God uses words? How can I love people the way that God loves people? How can I teach people? How can I lead people the way that God leads people? How can I manage? How can I, how can I uh, take care of people in the same way? Again, just a random thought. But David is leaning on his experience as a shepherd to understand his relationship with God, to explain how God has cared for him in the past, where God makes him lie down in green pastures, lush, full of plenty, eating food that is desired, resting in bounty. You know, a good shepherd will lead his flock well, and it's important to see that he makes them lay down. You know, similar to a parent and a toddler that has way too much energy. Sometimes you have to make the child lie down. And that goes beyond just even the nap phase, right? Into their teens, if they're battling with their siblings. 
you know what? You need to separate. Go to your room and rest. Take a nap because you're grumpy. Get a snack, whatever you need to do. Think of Elijah, right? When he's fleeing for his life and freaking out. Take a nap, have a snack. Okay, now let's talk about what the Lord wants you to do. Rest is important. With the comparison of sheep being used here, David knows how sheep do not take care of themselves very well. They need guidance. They need direction. They need to be led to the lands to get food. An important takeaway from that first verse is how he says, I shall not want. You know, the Lord provides all that you need. And if you don't have everything you desire, then you can reasonably conclude a few things. First, maybe it's not right for you. Second, maybe it's not good for you. Third, it may not be in the right timing at this time because God provides everything that you need. But how often do we just go out and provide for ourselves because we want something? Because America, we have the means and we do it. But with God as our provider, with God as our shepherd, it allows us to trust in him and it takes away anxieties and fear. You see, when we trust in him, we understand that he provides spiritual rest and nourishment, that he provides refreshment and restoration. He makes me lie down in green pastures. A good shepherd will give his sheep the best food, and the best food for our souls is the word of God. I think of the prophets Ezekiel and John as they are commanded to eat this scroll, a symbol of how they are to digest the word of God, how they are to take it in and that it is to be a part of them. A few different passages that we've gone over in the past. 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Again, it talks about spiritual milk, so um, more of the immaturity phase, more of the new believer type of phase, and then Hebrews 5 kind of goes into that passage, and it, it brings on the idea of meat and how you need to gr- graduate from milk into meat, harder things, more complex things to deepen your faith. And in chapter 5, 14, it says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have had their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to discern good from evil. And of course, Jesus, when he is being tempted in the the desert by the enemy, he quotes a verse from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Green pastures are the word of God. And we need to be lying down in them often. He then leads them beside still waters. Water is refreshing, especially on a hot summer day. It restores the soul. He provides the water of life. And of course, we think of the woman at the well in John 4. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. 
The water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again, the Lord leads us beside still waters. He fills us with the living water through the Spirit. Now looking at verse 3. Looking at verse 3, it says, He restores my soul. And what I love about that phrasing is the term restores. It's not he had restored past tense, completed action, speaking maybe towards our salvation. But it talks about how we are in process. It talks about how the Lord is still involved in our lives, how he's engaged, how we are growing in him. You know, these feelings of worthiness oftentimes creep into our hearts and minds. And at times it can make us want to hide like Adam and Eve. It makes us not want to go to the Father. But he is the one that restores. Now you think about restoring something, you have to understand that it, something needs to be broken in order for it to be restored. So again, he is in the process of making us into the image of the Son. Where Paul says the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. A glorious promise that we have in him. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Again, as a shepherd, he does not keep the sheep in one spot for too long. If that happens, they would use up all of the resources and there would be nothing left for them. Oftentimes, they might eat too much and eat themselves to death as well in lives of comfort. You know, for us as humans, we're, we're not made to be idle. We're made to work, to do different things. If we're too idle, if we don't exercise, our bodies begin to malfunction. We're made to do the work that God has for us. And he leads us on the paths of righteousness, the paths that we need to be on. Again, we are sheep. Sheep wander. So he guides us on those paths. And we are to follow him and he gives us rest. You know, at the end of the day, we have to understand that the Lord is our refuge, that he is our safety, that he is our door, and that we need to be found in him where we can rest peacefully because he is guarding at the gate, where he will lead us in the light. You know, and as we begin this series, this journey, we have to get comfortable with the thought of being able to go to God with our issues in order to find rest in him. There will be some hard moments for sure. There might be some difficult revelations that happen in your life, patterns, habits, choices that we need to address changes that need to happen, obedience that needs to be upheld, that needs to be encouraged. But the Lord is faithful to give you the rest. He is your shepherd and he knows what is best for you. So will you trust him on this journey? If you can answer affirmatively to that, then begin to identify those walls, those barriers, those hindrances that are keeping you from rest. You should know what they are. You should know the patterns that you have. You should know how the enemy attacks you frequently. Seek the Lord deep in prayer to help you identify what those things are, what you are turning to instead of him. Ask for strength, and then seek out other people that can keep you accountable in this journey. Again, all of this is going to be very personal, but we'll have similar patterns. You know, we are impacted individually and different things affect us differently. My hope is that on this journey we can find some accountability in the word, 
and each other. And ultimately, we can serve him well and rest. So let's pray. Father, as we begin this journey with you, I just pray that you would show us these areas in life that we are seeking earthly things, that we are seeking temporal things to account for rest, that you would help us to correctly identify and define what biblical rest looks like and means for our lives, that you would help us to balance well our work life and our worship of you. Lord, I pray that you would guide each one here, that you would speak to them right now, those things in their life that you want to touch on, that your spirit would begin prodding them, convicting them, and that you would help us all just to be humbly obedient, trusting that you know what's best for us, understanding that there will be pain, that there'll be hardship. But Lord, like, like a broken tooth, understanding that once the pain is gone, healing can begin. So Lord, I just pray that we can find rest in your arms today, that you would guide us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.